When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, The other day, Courtney, I was on the internet, on Twitter, and I made a comment about how the Minnesota Lynx had made a great draft selection in the second round getting Crystal Dangerfield from UConn. Anytime you get a UConn point guard in the second round of the draft, you've done pretty well for yourself. And the first comment back was, yeah, we'll see in a couple of years whether that works out. We certainly will. Uh, and it's one of the, the hardest things about the draft is to grade it right after it happens because I don't know how it's going to work out. Nobody else does. The Vikings got A's for Laquan Treadwell and the Seattle Seahawks got D's for Russell Wilson. So like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to. So in my mind, what you do when it's a draft that just happened, you go by the process. Last year's process of getting offensive players to stack around Kirk Cousins, an offensive lineman, uh, a tight end, another offensive lineman. The running back maybe was a little wonky, but still he's a good player. That was the only one that people were, by the way, like super like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. because they traded back 14 Mm -hmm. times and then picked a running back. It was like, uh, I don't know if replacing Latavius Murray was the thing to do. But if that's the only one you question, all right, no big deal. Um, when they drafted Mike Hughes, we questioned the process of not picking an offensive lineman at that time and so forth. So that's how you have to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But now we have full hindsight with every Mike Zimmer draft and probably half hindsight with the 2019 draft. So let's go through them, and I want you to give draft grades, and then I've got some hot routes to finish out the show. Okay, okay. so 2014, the Vikings picked Anthony Barr, Teddy Bridgewater, Scott Crichton, who basically never played, um, and Jarek McKinnon are, are your top picks there. Shamar Stefan toward the late rounds. Antoine Exum was in that draft, too. That's right. Uh, rapper Antoine Before Exum. That's not music. a joke. Actually, he might have been making music then. but yeah, Maybe he just didn't have the technology to put it out yeah. there. But, you know, I mean, if you draft a guy in the sixth round who plays 60 NFL games, or 50 NFL games, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was a pretty good draft pick. How would you grade the 2014 Vikings draft? So, when I looked at this one, and obviously 15, and I'm thinking about players who are on the roster and who are not on the roster anymore. Um, That's like the hard part for me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's when you're grading a draft and you're looking about like the long-term implications of it, you either have to factor in um, why teams moved on from players and why they didn't and either do that or don't include that a part of any of it. Like, I think this is probably an A draft, maybe an A minus. Um, 
B plus at best, or at worst. You know, you had your franchise quarterback. You couldn't prevent anything from happening the way that it did with Teddy Bridgewater. So I just had to throw that out. Um, Anthony Barr is, has been a staple, a cornerstone of this defense his entire career. And Jarek McKinnon was really, really good. You just decided that you wanted to go a different route when you had Dalvin Cook available to usher in the new era beyond Adrian Peterson. Shamar Steffen's on the roster right now. They clearly liked him enough to, you know, release him, and then he goes to Seattle, and then he comes back. Um, I thought it was a pretty good draft by and large. I don't know if maybe A is a little bit too high. I'll go with B plus of this draft. That's my final answer. Okay, the Teddy one makes it hard because you drafted a good quarterback. You you traded back in to get him. Got you into the playoffs in his second season. uh, Came very, very close to leading a game-winning drive. Right there, if you draft someone who does that for you in one season, that person is pretty valuable to you, and he looked like he was going to be their franchise quarterback. So that one you have to give an extremely high grade to, even though we'll never know how it played out. The bar one, there's been a lot of ups and downs there, but when you draft someone who's a four-time Pro Bowler, even though we've gone "Mm," sometimes at his Pro Bowls, still, you've done well for yourself. And as you mentioned, you got a seventh-round hit, you got a sixth-round person who did uh, some things for you and became a a decent NFL player. I'm going to give it overall, I'd say it is a B-plus draft to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, a a big contributor in your 2017 season, yeah, there are more hits than misses in this one, and for successfully drafting a franchise quarterback at the time, or at least how it looked like it was going, you get a very high grade for this one. Now, 2015, if there's any draft to give an A-plus to, I, it's the 2015 draft. That might have been the best draft. I, I wrote a piece about this earlier this year, that in terms of wins above replacement by Pro Football Focus, this was the highest of any draft from that season. Trey Waynes, Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter, <clears throat> TJ <laughs> I knew you were going there. Michael Pruitt's still in the league, and of course, Stephon Diggs. Nobody passed the sixth round, but you can't nitpick with a fourth-round tackle that didn't really work out when you get Stephon Diggs in the yeah. fifth. I, I give it a solid A. Like, I mean, there's the reason I don't give it an A plus is, again, like, what am I judging it on? Well, a lot of those guys aren't on the roster anymore. Diggs isn't on your roster. Waynes is not on your roster. I mean, those were massive contributors here, uh, and you couldn't find a way to keep them beyond, uh, you know, too long after when they were drafted. So that's my only hold up with that. But that's not necessarily how you should be judging an entire draft class. I mean, you got massive contributions out of all four of those guys the entirety of their career. Yeah, you can't I do mean, much better than that. When you select a starter, a three-year starter in Trey Waynes out of his five years here uh, on defenses that were at the top of the league, and that's not even your best pick, you've done really, really well. The only nitpick you could take it from an, uh, an A-plus to an A would be be the difference between Marcus Peters and Trey Waynes. Peters has been a little bit problematic for some of his teams, but he's been a better overall corner than Trey Waynes was for the Vikings. Much more of a, a difference maker when it came to interceptions, pick sixes, things like that. But you drafted an all-pro in Eric Hendricks, a, a multiple-time Pro Bowler in Daniil Hunter, and Stephon Diggs, who deserved to be probably in multiple Pro Bowls. And even with Stephon Diggs, he's not on the roster anymore, but you got a first-round pick back for him for someone that you selected in the fifth round. So very difficult to nitpick that one. Now here's where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. Is 2016, I mean, can you give it anything short of 
like a D minus for this draft. Laquan Treadwell, Mackenzie Alexander was a fair contributor for a season and a half where he actually played well. Willie Beavers, the fourth round pick, got cut in his first camp. Kentrell Brothers, a um, you know special a guy, teamer, special teamer in the fifth. You probably even aim higher than that. David Morgan was a decent like number three tight end. Stephen Weatherly is the best pick of this draft outside of Mackenzie Alexander, but it's hard to give them any sort of decent grade for 2016. Yeah, I give it a C minus because they had a lot of role players there that they just decided to move on from with Weatherly, Curse, um, guys that they you know this past year they couldn't afford to bring back, and they ended up signing elsewhere in free agency. Um, the Treadwell one is obviously going to be the big black eye from this. I mean, it looks terrible. Um, and that's the one that they're going to kind of have to eat crow on for a little bit just because you spent, you know, you know, the 23rd pick when, refresh my memory, they had other needs than wide receiver in that draft when they could have gone a little bit later. Like yeah, in, yeah. I mean, wide, wide receiver made a lot of sense at the time because you didn't know that Adam Thielen was yes, going to become correct. Adam Thielen. So... I, I always like with this one at the time we would have given it a fairly high grade because you think oh you got this SEC wide receiver who was just uh, fantastic put up huge huge numbers at Ole Miss and you know he should step right in and make a big contribution so at the time this grade this draft probably got graded pretty high for grabbing also Alexander who was a, a key player on a great Clemson team that went to the national championship and it just didn't work out and the best player is probably Stephen Weatherly. He's the one, and, and the way I would do it is he's the one who got paid the most in free agency. Sure. I mean, Moritz Bowringer becomes kind of an LOL. But, you know, when your first pick in the draft, it is so valuable for you to hit on that one, and it doesn't work out. That's where I, I, I have trouble even giving it a C when your guy has one catch the first year of his entire career. Yeah, not good. Um C minus, I think is fair, just because I'm looking at like some of the contributions that they did get from, you know, David Morgan was he, he just had been injured the entire time, most of his Viking career. So I mean that's been hard to judge. Um, Curse had flashes, but he wasn't really a consistent. I mean there were so many other issues there, and yeah, Weatherly was your best bet from that class. Um, it's tough looking at this one because I just look at those like back to back one and two um, and how that panned out and just how much of a missed opportunity that feels like. All right. So 2017, Delvin Cook, the pet Elfline pick after the first year we would have thought was. Oh, like, we thought it was like tremendous. an awesome pick. It was a home and, run. Then, and then it wasn't. Jaleel Johnson, Ben Gideon, Rodney Adams, Danny Isadora, Bucky Hodges, Stacey Coley, Afadi Adenabo. Elijah Lee, who I have no recollection of, and Jack Tocho. Um, <laughs> you love you some Jack Tocho. You know, here's the thing. This wouldn't this go away. This is what this is partly why the Vikings are in the situation that they're in, is because these two drafts, 2016 and 2017, were not good. That they didn't land a Eric Kendricks or a Daniil Hunter or a Stefan Diggs in the later rounds. There are no contributors here past the second round. And even though Delvin Cook is a hit in terms of how good the guy was. He was every bit as good as you thought. It isn't really the same kind of hit when it's a running back. When it's a position that you can replace, it's not a home run. And none of these other guys. I mean, eh, Jaleel... I, I don't know if I agree with that entirely. I feel like Jaleel Johnson and certainly Afadi Odenabo mm. have contributed. How many starts does Jaleel Johnson have now three years into his career? Like two? I think that they've kind of relegated him, at least at this point, where they like what he presents as the backup nose tackle and he gives you the 
position flexibility to play three okay, technique. Okay, when you feel... say backup nose tackle, I give no credit. I mean, I, I like Jaleel, but I give zero credit for drafting a backup nose tackle. Right? I mean, you can't go, like, if you're adding up points. All right, so you draft Neil Hunter know, in the third, you get a million points. Like, how many do you get for a backup nose tackle in the fourth? It's got to be, like, point three. <laughs> uh, I mean, anybody in the whole world that you drafted in that situation gives you as much value. If you drafted a punter, he's probably as valuable as a backup nose tackle. Ben Gideon, a third linebacker who barely played and then got hurt. Danny Isadora gave them nothing. Bucky Hodges has some of the funniest behind-the-scenes stories of all time. Uh, Stacy Coley, the only highlight Stacy Coley ever gave them was dropping the ball in the end zone and almost giving the Packers a touchdown. This draft is probably another D. I mean, Elfline is barely playable in the NFL at this point. I mean, you're getting almost no value from 2017 and 2016. I, I gave it a C. I, I think I say it's C minus for sixteen, and then this aside one I, from yeah, okay, this, I, I could buy into a C. very average um, outside of Dalvin Cook. Yeah, like, and, and, I, and I get it. Like I'm, not, I mean, but I do think that it's not fair to say there haven't been contributions from Johnson and Odenabo. I mean, you need to eventually get those guys who are going to be role, role, role players their entire career. Yeah, Odenabo could end up turning yeah, out to be a great absolutely. pick, though and you we'll cut be him twice. At it differently. You know. I cut him to. Oh yeah, they cut. No, him not twice. you. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, but you know, okay, so that could turn out to be a great pick, but you almost lost him because you didn't believe in him twice. Uh, yeah, I mean the the fact that Delvin Cook is a great player also has to be sort of weighed with he hasn't really played a full season. If you draft someone in the second round and we don't tell you who it is and we say, yeah, the guy's real talented, but he hasn't played a full season in three years. Like, did, did you sign up for only 2,100 yards in three seasons out of Delvin Cook when you drafted him there? Like, no, no. you didn't. So that, that one's not a hit at all. Uh, I think this is, I think it's back to back drafts that I would have trouble giving a C to. And, you know, circumstances are definitely part of it. You couldn't have predicted that Cook or Elfline would get injured. But, you know, if we're doing the hindsight grade only, how it's worked out, how much value you've gotten out of it, yikes, not a lot from either one of those drafts. Now, 2018 is a little different because you end up with Mike Hughes, who the book is still not written on, Brian O'Neill, which is a home-run draft pick at 62, looks like a franchise tackle. After that, though, again... Jalen Holmes, Tyler Conklin, Daniel Carlson is an F-minus pick. Colby Gossett, Adearuna, Devontae Downs. I don't I mean, think it's an F-minus pick. I think it was an F-minus handled situation F- because minus, he's, doing, minus. he's doing pretty well right now. But but in terms of Raiders. how it worked out, it yes, couldn't have been worse. Yeah, he, no, co- I mean, he cost you a game and then gave you nothing else the rest of his career because you were forced to cut him. You can't do worse than that. No, that's true. But I, I don't think the draft pick itself was... There was anything wrong with so it. So you have to. Well, but yes, about, I mean, if I was just looking at it through that through a vacuum, essentially. But yes, I mean, you're right. They gave up a fifth round. I mean, they cut a fifth rounder two weeks into the season. In, in terms of how bad a draft pick could possibly be, if you take someone in the fifth round and they never set foot on an NFL field, that's way better than coming onto an NFL field, missing a bunch of field goals, and tying a game. Like that's way better. Is his wins above replacement for you is is a minus. So you're well, saying the Corey Vedvik situation this past year where they gave up a fifth-round pick was better, better than the way that Daniel Carlson, Daniel Carlson. Yes, This is this pick. is only the hindsight for how it actually worked out, not judging the logic at the time, but how it worked out. It is one of the worst draft picks of whatever. I mean, can you do worse than picking someone who comes onto the field 
basically four times, screws up three times, and ends up out of there the next week? No. You no, can't. you can't. What's this one? Is this a I, C? I, I struggle with this one because you're right. We just don't know about Mike Hughes yet. But if I'm judging it off Brian O'Neill alone, that's yeah. going to probably jump it up. Um, maybe half a grade. I gave this one a B minus. Yeah. Because we also like, you know, they really seem to like Tyler Conklin. And I'll be curious now, depending upon what they do with receiver, how this offense shifts. Like, what does Tyler Conklin become in this scheme? Because he showed some promise last year. He's played 31 games. Like, that one is still waiting to be, you know, the book's still waiting to be written on him. But I don't know. Like, unless Jalen Holmes, like, becomes this, like, terrific pass rusher this year, I, I don't know about that pick and a fourth-round pick. But yep. the fourth round is a sweet spot for them in finding defensive linemen, so that's cool. Um, yeah, book's not written on either Hughes or Holmes. Hughes is the hardest one for me because your first-round pick matters the most. So far, Hughes has given you basically nothing. Yeah, and it, it will be different after this year. Like, if he is somebody that is going to take over the nickel roll and be awesome or take over one of the outside spots um, – and really, how he can help your cornerback situation with that position flexibility may give us a year from now, yeah. once we see how the season's played out, um, a different view of this whole thing. I would give this one a straight C because you got one really good player out of it, but um, nothing else to this date. And if we go back a year from now and Hughes is all pro, then this will change entirely. And then last year's draft, um, at this moment, I would have to give it probably you know another C. You get Irv Smith, who's very good, great value in the second round, but Bradbury did not give you above replacement play, and, and of course it all will hinge on that. Um, but here's the, the point about where this roster is at at this moment in terms of why they've had to spend so much on other positions, whether it was you know signing Anthony Barr, for example, or you know um, keeping Xavier Rhodes around, is because they just haven't had many hits in quite a while on guys who were not drafted high. And even guys drafted high haven't been that great. So 2016, you have zero players who were really good in 2016. You have one in 2017, and he's an injured running back. You have one in 2018, and he's a tackle. And you have one in 2019 that we think is going to be good in Irv Smith. Like their recent drafting has just not given you a whole heck of a lot. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons they're in the position they're in. So we're not saying, oh, corner, just turn it over to those corners that you drafted. Oh, you know, defensive line. Oh, you're set there. You drafted Jalen Holmes, Jaleel Johnson, Armin Watts. Like you're good to go. Um, that was something that really worked for them in 2014 and 15, but not so much in the recent drafts. They have been fortunate that their undrafted free agent class for the last few years has been really good. By and large. I mean, we think about Eric Wilson joining this yep, team. Yep. Um, we'll see on Holton Hill, but good Sure, chance. yeah, we'll see on Holton Hill. But, I mean, they obviously kept him around because they think he's a really good player. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done that. Um, you know, beyond that, I mean, Chad Beebe, can he be a contributor this year? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that they've had a good process with UDFAs where it hasn't always had to rely on their draft classes. I mean, it's amazing. Some of their undrafted free agents, how they've outperformed draft picks. Um, and there are a lot of notable cases of that. But it just, some of it feels very, the last like few years feels very incomplete to me. Um, ever since 2015 in that draft class, because at least we got to kind of see like a full cycle, yeah. you know, with those guys. Yeah, that's four, true. Yep. Four years. Like, um, you know, ever since then, I mean, think about the guys that aren't even on the roster. Uh, there's two players currently under contract 
or at least uh, that could be. You know, Kentrell Brothers, I don't believe, re-signed in free agency. Like that, starting with that 16 class, it could be Kentrell Brothers and David Morgan. Morgan's contract hold, so technically there's one player under contract right mm-hmm. now from that 16 class. It's yep. not a good sign. No, not really. And this this actually speaks to draft nihilism, which, I mean, I don't think that the Vikings are, like, bad at drafting. I think it just hasn't worked out. When you look at some of those picks that they made, even the Daniel Carlson pick could be justified. The guy's a great college kicker, and why would it be different? They're the same goalposts. It's supposed to be easier in the NFL, but the pressure is a lot different. Um, and you go through a lot of these where, uh, you know, someone like Bucky Hodges, it's a sixth-round pick, but... What? Uh, what was George Kittle? So George Kittle was like a fifth. So George Kittle works out, has some of the same concerns. He was a big guy. He's really fast. But he's like, can he block? I don't know. Turns out he's a monster blocker in the NFL. And he's very smart, too, and fits into an NFL system. And it just all clicks. Bucky Hodges, whatever I just said about George Kittle, exactly take the opposite for Bucky Hodges. And it didn't work out at all. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes you use the right process and analytics and scouting and everything else, and it just doesn't work out for these guys. And like you said, the book is still uh, open on some of them, but recent lack of drafting success past the first and second round has put them in kind of this tough position. So this is going to be a fun week, Courtney. Lots of draft simming, lots of Courtney, our draft scout, lots of draft nihilism. I mean... Thursday can only get here soon enough. Yes, I am absolutely ready. All right, well, we will continue to talk with you throughout the week. I'll have to check on when. Uh, (laughs) Spielman's talking tomorrow, so it's sort of thrown everything for a loop. But uh, it'll be a fun week for sure, and we will be here for you. And tonight, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, I'll be taking over the uh, Score North account and doing a Q&A. So that'll be fun as well. We will catch you tomorrow on Purple Daily. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.